to ask a question because this is a question that I am repeatedly and embarrassingly asking myself time and time again. Have you ever looked in the mirror and you were confronted with this question? Who in the world is that? Maybe you, maybe that's not the question. Maybe it's more of this kind of question. What in the world is that? Is that a zit? Why am I still getting zits? I say goodbye to adolescence. Why, why, why do I have a zit here? Is that a new wrinkle? Is that a single solitary hair sticking up on my incredibly bald head? I mean, way to, way to soldier on, soldier, but, uh, is my hair growing back? Is that what's going on? Uh, seriously, is it growing back? Guys? Oh, all right. There are repeated occasions where I look at my life and I think, man, there is a lot of things that have changed over the last 10 to 20 years. I was reminded of how much things have changed for me this weekend when I played flag football with some men at the church. And as the morning went on, it became painfully clear to me that I am not the man that I used to be. In fact, I am so far from where I used to be, I've had to learn how to play differently. You know, the, where I run, but I'm not really running because if I ran like I used to, I would break something. You know, like the last time I tried to run and I broke something. Um, it became very, very clear all throughout the morning, I am not the man that I used to be. Things have changed. And so while I'm not the physical specimen that I used to be, I've also recognized this. I'm a lot smarter than I used to be. Have you ever thought if you could ever time travel back, the first thing that you do would not just check out something, it would be to find your younger self so you could slap them? I am so much smarter now than what I used to be when I was 20. I am a lot more emotionally stable than what I used to be when I was 20 because I was not. And so I have found that while there are certain things that have changed in my life where I am not as good at something, there are other things in my life that have grown uh, beyond where they were initially. Um, over this past year, there has been an uptick of change in my life. For those of you who are unaware, I got married to the love of my life, and uh, sure, I'm happy about it. Um, and not only did I gain a wife, but I also gained two children. It was the best thing that has ever happened to me outside of Christ. And as I have adjusted to my life, uh, my new life with my family, I have had the opportunity to learn new things. I've had to learn a new way to the office. Uh, the first few months, I had to repeatedly remind myself, I'm not going to Camillus, I'm not going to Camillus, I'm going to North Syracuse. 
And in fact, uh, my wife has uh, saved us from several close calls in that regard because I just autopilot kicks in and then I'm like, okay, I don't live there anymore, even though I only lived there for a few years. Uh, I've had the opportunity to get adjusted to a new home where I am looking for where something might be. And so for those first few months, I was just, this was my life. I'm just opening drawers, opening drawers, opening up doors. And I knew that I was going to find whatever it was at some point. Um, In fact, one of my family members would ask me, what are you looking for? I don't know, but I'll find it at some point. And so learning what a new uh, home uh, looks like and where things are. Um, I've also uh, learned about new stores that I've never frequented before. I didn't think that I would be so intimately acquainted with the layout of a Marshalls the way that I am. But there's a lot of change, but if I was unwilling to venture into the unfamiliar, I would never know the joy and the blessings that have unfolded with it. I love my family. I want them to succeed. And I realize that that also means that I must approach things differently. There are things that have been dormant in me because... They didn't need to come out. And now they need to come out even if it's clumsy and even if I stumble. It's awkward, but it's necessary. Why? Because I need to be whole. And if I'm not whole, not only do I suffer, but the people that I care about and the people that I love also suffer. In order for us to walk in the fullness of what God is calling us to, we have to be willing to press into these areas of the unfamiliar so that we can walk into areas of new life. So with that very heavy topic that I presented to you, these are the areas that I'm growing. But if we're all honest, all of us have areas where we could stand some improvement. Amen? There's always areas where God is trying to work in our lives And if we are not careful, we might miss out on those opportunities. And these are opportunities that are not something that is meant to be a drudging. It's not meant to be a sacrifice. It is meant to be liberating so that you can walk in the fullness of life that Christ is calling us to. The Apostle Paul wrote a few letters to the churches. Perhaps some of you have read them. Found in the New Testament, by the way. And he would frequently call out people for not embracing the fullness that God has calling them to. Why? Because he himself recognized what it means to live a life in fullness and in dedication to the Lord. And he recognizes just how much the people he cares about is missing out on growth, on life, and life more abundantly. So we're going to take a look at one of those letters that Paul wrote. It's called the Philippians. It was written to Christians in the city of Philippi in the ancient land of Macedonia. I don't know if a lot of you have studied a lot of ancient history, 
But in the land of Macedonia, this was an influential part of the Greek Empire and then later the Roman Empire. This was a land where a lot of political and military events were staged. And so when you think of the land of Macedonia and when you think of the city of Philippi, this was a proud land. This was a proud city. This was a city where Greek culture and language was spread throughout the surrounding worlds around it. When the people of Philippi spoke, the people around them listened. They were relevant. They were intelligent. They were strong and mighty. When you take a look at other aspects of uh, the city of Philippi and the land around them, it was an economic hub. It was valued for its economic might. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, we read a story about a woman who had a successful business who moved from where she was. Where did she move? She moved to Philippi so that she could sell more of her goods. We also read in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas visited the city of Philippi, they came across a demon-possessed slave girl who would make money for her masters by telling fortunes. And so they prayed over this slave girl and cast the demons out of her, and she became a believer in Jesus Christ. Well, guess what? No more fortune-telling. So her masters lost out on this income and became very upset and went to the city where, and began to speak to a lot of the businesses there and said, if, if these two individuals can take away our money, they could take away your money too. And guess what? There was such an uproar that Paul and Silas were thrown into jail. This is the city of Philippi. They valued their money. They valued obtaining things. This was also a city that was started by former military officials as a place to go to when they are done with their military service so they have a place to live. So this was also a place that was very patriotic. Think about in this country going to a town where all you see is the American flag. And everything, you know, the star-spangled banner played every single night. And, like, it was all about patriotism and service to your country. And so when you take a look at this city, the things that the people of Philippi valued is as they valued things, obtaining things, accomplishing things. And if you're going to live for something, live for the kingdom that you are in right now. So when Paul was writing his letter to the Philippians, he wanted to remind the Christians who were there is is that you were once a citizen of this world, but your citizenship now, after becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, belongs exclusively to heaven. And so if you are going to live for something, live for heaven, live for its ideals, live for its purposes, because everything that you have worked your way up to this point is going to pass away, but the things that you are now devoted to will never pass away. Can anyone say amen? So we're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. 
Philippians chapter 2, starting at verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Paul here was making a plea to the church that he started, and he was saying, if, you, if being a follower of Christ ever mattered to you, if there is anything that you have gained by being a follower of Jesus Christ, then make my joy complete. In other words, keep going. Keep going forward. Keep growing. Uh, don't stop. Perhaps if you are a parent, this is something that you have said to your child on occasion when you recognize that they are doing something that is hard, doing something that is unfamiliar, but something that is good for them. You cheer them on and you say, don't stop, keep going, keep growing, because what you are doing is healthy. And so today, I want to talk to you because I care about you, that If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, congratulations, you are on the right path. There are so many things in this life that you can be devoted to, but being a follower of Christ is the best thing that you could ever do. And so if you are a follower of Christ, don't fall away from that path. Keep going forward. Don't stop. Because what Christ has called us to is he's called us to something that is upward. That means that if we are still here on this earth, we are still going upward. We're still growing. We're still embracing the things that Christ has called us to. If we are still drawing breath, then that means that we're not done. We have so many more things to accomplish because this is what Christ has called us to. Life and life more abundantly. We have not arrived. And so today I want to talk about what it means to be a complete Christian. What it means to be a complete Christian. Paul is like many good parents. He doesn't just say, do these things, but he gives them tools in order for them to accomplish those things. And so we find that in verse 2 of Philippians chapter 2. It goes like this, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. How can we be complete in our walk with Christ? Well, it starts by being a united church. It starts by being a united church. This can be seen as particularly needed encouragement today, to be united, to have the one mind, one spirit. But I've heard too many of your stories So many of us have had encounters where something has happened in a church setting and to this day, the scar still remains. That hurt still exists. And it's unfortunate and sometimes the... It's not... It hasn't been your fault as the reason why things have unfolded the way that they have. Well, church, today I want to encourage us, let's strive at being united as the body of Christ, to be of one mind and of one spirit. Um, Today, 
we have a culture around us that is increasingly individualistic. Um, the realization for the need of unity is less and less. And I think part of that is just because we have access to church more than ever before. If we want Bible teaching, all we have to do is pull out our phone. And we can get a podcast, we can pull up a video of any church anywhere all across the world. In fact, that has prevented us from, uh, in some ways, doing the hard work of figuring out what sound, sound doctrine looks like. Because all we have to do is search the internet for the doctrine that sounds the best to us. The things that tickle us the most. If you don't want the messiness of human interaction, then all you have to do is stay home where it's safe. You could still get your church, and you could still have the convenience of being home. But here's the thing. It's very easy for us as preachers to just kind of talk about our culture and how messed up it is and we need to change our culture or we need to uh, grow beyond our culture and all of that. But here's the thing. The Bible wasn't written strictly for our culture and our culture alone. In fact, when you take a look at the book of Philippians, it was written for their culture first. Why? Because there is nothing new under the sun. Humanity struggles with a lot of the same things when you think about it. Philippians struggled with, we value money more than anything else. Take a look at today's culture. You're always, always talking about gaining more money, gaining more things. The Philippians gave, uh, valued accomplishment, influence. I want to be the one to make the decisions. I want to be the one that gets praise for doing a good job. We still deal with that to this very day. And so we can make the mistake of looking at a, a particular portion of Scripture and say that has no relevance here uh, because it's written back then, but in fact it does. Or we could take a look at it and say it is only about us and it's never about them. And you know what? That's wrong too. So the Bible... This was written to the Philippian culture first more than anything else. Why? Because they had their own struggles that they were dealing with. Remember, the Philippians valued achievements. They didn't have time for failures. They didn't have time for those with a different agenda than their kingdom. And here Paul is talking about them being of one mind, one spirit, Forget about whether someone has achieved these things or not. Forget about whether they have been diligent in this external community and their value system. Just see Christ and let him unite you. Just see Christ and work for that common goal of lifting up Christ in the community around you. If you do that, then you, are, you will succeed. You will be successful not only as a church, but in your individual life as well. So what makes a complete Christian? Look around you. It's us. It's us committing to one another, loving one another, for what purpose? To lift up Jesus Christ. That is our goal. That is why we need one another. 
We could show up here on a Sunday morning, and that's important. But are we there for each other when we leave those doors? Do we lift each other up when we leave those doors? Do we encourage people in the Lord when we leave those doors? Or is it just life as usual? Church, please hear me. We can go through all of this life, and if we try to isolate ourselves from offense, if we try to isolate ourselves from disagreement, we will never find what we are truly in need of. We could protect ourselves as much as we want, but we're always going to have a moment where something is going to sting, something is going to hurt. Here's the thing. When those things happen, are you being obedient in the work of reconciliation so that you could be united with your brothers and sisters once again? Hear me. You will never have all the right answers. I can't tell you all of the things that I was certain of 20 years ago and then realized, wow, was I an idiot. But it took somebody else coming along and showing me a different way to think about something. Church, we have to be rooted somewhere in a body of believers where we invite people to speak into our lives so that we can be encouraged to think about things differently so that we can grow far beyond our current capacity. And imagine this. Imagine if you played a part in that as well. Where not only we're receiving, but now we're investing in other people. Why? Because people matter. And that's what we're called to do as Christians. So we have to be united as a church. How do we accomplish this? Well, Paul goes on on how to accomplish this in verse 3. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. How can we be a united church? How can we be a complete Christian? It is by having an unselfish attitude. An unselfish attitude. When you think about it, it's really an extension of point number one. Point number one is the goal. Point number two is how do you get there? To say one needs to be unselfish in order to be complete seems counterintuitive. We make this mistake of believing in this lie from the pit of hell that in order for us to be uh, happy or in order for us to be healthy, we have to care about ourselves first. We have to take care of ourselves first. And that isn't to say that you don't uh, examine yourself and whether or not you're healthy. It means that you start with Christ first. You allow Him to make you healthy. You allow Him to show you the better way to go. And when you do that, you see that there are people around you that need love, that need care. And instead of putting all of your focus in yourself you're putting your focus in others around you. They're putting their focus and care on you. And we're all growing together. We could be very selfish in the way we take a look at self-care. 
Church, we need to have an unselfish attitude when we look at our relationships around us. What does this look like? Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In other words, do nothing. uh, When you do something, don't do so with the idea that you will get something out of it. And don't do something with the hopes that, hey, I gave somebody this wonderful piece of advice and they listened to me. Look at how smart I am. Look at how much influence I have. Don't lift yourself up. I can't tell you how many times that I look at Bible teachers on the internet or on TV and how many times they lift up their own accomplishments and they lift up their own ministry. Isn't this ministry great? Isn't this great? It's wonderful. You should follow us. And by the way, could you send a buck? And in reality, here in Philippians, it says, do nothing out of vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing where it says, look at me, look at me. But instead, point to Christ. Point to each other. Lift each other up. And if that means that you are not given the credit that you're due, then that's okay because at least Christ is lifted up and at least somebody else is growing in their relationship with God. In some ways, this sounds good, but it goes against our very nature as humans because we're very good at looking out for ourselves. My wife and I have been watching a television series about the British royal family. Of course, this is the filmmaker's interpretation of the royal family. Who knows how accurate every single detail is uh, that the series touches on. But one of the common themes that the series highlights is this idea of service. And the last few episodes that we've watched, it is hit on Prince William's reluctance for the spotlight, in particular in his younger years. And there was one scene where his grandmother, the queen, asked for his help at the event that she was dreading to attend. And upon hearing his reluctance uh, to attend, she gave him a reprieve, and the prince was relieved that he didn't have to go. Later on, the prince heard his granny give a speech about a life of service. And she had this quote, A life of service is not a sacrifice, it is an honor. Church, may I encourage you today, when it comes to service, don't look at it as, oh no, they're asking me to do something. When you're outside of the walls of this church and you recognize that there is a need there, don't put your head down and try to run by hoping that nobody notices you. Realize the honor that it is that you get to serve your fellow human beings, that you get to honor the name of Jesus by allowing him to work through you so that others can know that there is a God that cares for people, that there is a God that loves people, and that there is a God that is looking to lift them up beyond their circumstances. 
Church today, can we embrace and wrap ourselves around this idea that service is a thing of honor, not a thing to be dreaded? Of course, this is a great in theory. Not only do we see that there's honor and service when we read Philippians, but we also realize that Christ was our unblemished example. Christ didn't just say these things. He actually accomplished them himself. Let's read on in verse 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What a powerful passage. What do we do to become a complete Christian? Well, we have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being by the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Church, if there was anyone in all of human history that could have and, sh- and should have been able to rest on his privilege, it was Jesus Christ. If there was anyone who deserved to be idle, deserved to take a step back and remain on his throne in heaven, it was Jesus Christ. I can't, uh, it is embarrassing for me to admit how many times I've looked at a situation and went, oh, can I just be left alone? Can I just sit back for a moment? Why do I have to remove myself from my rest and my isolation to go out and try to help a situation that was probably started by them to begin with? And here, Jesus, sitting on his throne in heaven, looks down at humanity that has repeatedly cussed him out over and over and over again. And he said, you know what? I love them. I care about them. And I can't remain here on this throne any longer. I have to go. I have to reach out to them. I have to rescue them. Because I love them. And I care about them. Jesus was a king, still is a king, the king of kings. But he chose to give that up for a time to feel the limitations of humanity, only to be betrayed by humanity so that he can also ultimately rescue humanity. This is our king. This is our example. You want to know what it means to be a complete Christian? It means to give yourself up so that others can be saved because that is what Jesus did. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. You see, once you realized who Jesus is, once you realized what he has done for you, We get to know our unblemished example. It is easy for us to give up our blemished treasures. 
Christ has done so much for us. I don't know if you have read through a lot of scripture or not, but the Bible says that as human beings, before we became believers in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that we were aliens said that we were enemies of Almighty God, incapable of change, incapable of lifting ourselves up out of the pit and out of the muck and the mire. We were destined for darkness, destined for death, with no hopes of us ever getting ourselves out of that situation. But because of Jesus Christ and what he has done on our behalf, we now have life. We have freedom. We have healing. Why? Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He didn't have to do it, but he wanted to do it so that we can be with him for all of eternity. Can anyone say amen? Not only is Jesus our unblemished example, but he is our unique savior. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, And gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Now remember, who is this written to? It is written to a group that was relevant to the world around them. This was a group that relied on their own power and might and influence. There was a lot of talk on what you should live your life for. Here, Paul makes it clear. Jesus is the highest place. Jesus has the name that is above every name. Jesus has the sole distinction of being the person who all things, whether in heaven or on earth, will bow. Can I have the worship team come on up? Here is my question to you. What do you live for? Do you split your religion or your allegiance between anything and King Jesus? Is your focus keeping you from being the complete Christian that God has called you to be? Church today is the day that you get to repent. Today is the day where you get to shift your focus to something that matters. Today is the day where you get to shift your allegiance to strictly Jesus Christ. And we know that he will have nothing but good things for you. Nothing but health and life for you. So how should we respond? When you are drowning in a pool that is too deep for you, the only way out is the lifeline that has been tossed to you. But in order to grab that line, you have to let go of the weights that were meant to pull you deeper in. Church today... Some of us need to let go of some things that by its very nature can do us no, nothing more than ensure that we drown. Today, Jesus is tossing a line. He's saying, stop drowning. You do not have to do this anymore. You just have to let go and grab a hold of this lifeline that I'm handing to you.
It would be a shame if we got through this service only to leave unchanged, to not take a step forward to becoming a complete Christian. So today I'm going to give you an opportunity to reflect. Some of you have been living a life of a lone ranger. You have lived for yourself but rarely have valued others enough to allow them to speak into your life. Today, will you consider the value of being united as a church? United with us as a church. Some of you have felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit of becoming unselfish in your attitudes and motivations. You haven't served, or when you have, you have served with the motivation of getting something out of it. Today, will you consider allowing Jesus to change your heart so that it is inclined to serve others before yourself? Some of you have been living life as a Christian, but it has become stale. In fact, you are going through some stuff right now. And all you really need is someone to come along and say, keep going. Keep going. Don't stop. You are on the right path. You have life. Keep going. Make my joy complete. Don't stop. Some of you have this, can honestly say that I don't really don't know what it means to be a complete Christian because I've never made that decision before. I don't know what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me encourage you. Today is your day. I'm not going to ask you to give any money. I'm not going to ask for you to do something where you have to earn it. I'm just simply asking you to reach out and grab that lifeline that Jesus is throwing to you and say, Jesus, please save me. Please be Lord of my life, King of my heart, so that I can grow into the person that you have called me to be.